You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. Good morning. Good to see you all. Happy New Year to you. Here we are on the first Lord's Day of the year of our Lord, 2021. I know a lot of places they're setting the vision for the next year. They're uh, telling what the theme will be and the like. Never really been one for big theme years and the like. And maybe I'm a little behind schedule because I haven't decided uh, what's going to be the next main project from preaching from this place and this pulpit. I'm thinking something consecutive and something uh, comprehensive in study of a text, but I haven't decided on one yet. Uh, John is in mind, but uh, I'm not sure. So it may be a little bit before we settle into one particular theme. Uh, At least this year we should be saved from such cutesy things as we had last year of 2020 vision. Uh, One thing I know about 2020 vision is nobody saw it coming. It's... uh, Certainly for those who believe uh, and are charismatically inclined that they're going to get the hints and foreshadowing and revelation of what's to come, I think that should be for them truly embarrassing and uh, it should be enlightening. Now for others, it should just be a bit humbling as we don't know what things will be. I was scheduled to be on a lectureship program back in the spring on 2020 Vision Leadership, uh, but obviously that didn't happen, so we didn't lead anywhere on that. Um, I've already seen a little bit of cutesiness uh, with 2020 hindsight being offered as themes for last week or for <clears throat> for this week. I have also seen a good bit of optimistic views of the new year, how it's going to get better or how it's got to get better. I'm not sure about that either. Also, I don't even have any particular reason to think it's going to get worse. And so based on the events of the world, I don't have any particular thoughts that it's all going to be better and be optimistic or that it's all going to get worse and be pessimistic. I think the world is going to world. That's what the world does in a worldly fashion. And it's just going to be as it is. Uh, We have both bigger problems and we also have a larger hope in all of these things. What centers for us and whatever it is we eventually decide to do and study knowing it will be uh, from Scripture, knowing it will be the inspired Word of God, I can guarantee you that it will deal with sin and the overcoming of sin through the provision that is made in Christ Jesus. That is our big problem in the world, no matter what is in the news today or tomorrow or yesterday. The sin that is uh, yours and mine and ours, the sins that so easily beset us, Uh, These have and these do form the big problems and obstacles in our life. But the great hope and the continuing hope, uh, the hope that we have in the new year, which is just as the hope that we had in the old year, that redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die, uh, that's the same. We sang of redeeming love in the prior decades, and our brethren did in this very place, in the prior centuries, and our brethren in the same relationship, which is in Christ, did so in the prior millennia. And as the world continues, 
we shall do it taking our stand in the same place, sometimes literally and figured uh, both physically in the same place. We shall do it right here, or we shall do it in another place, but we will all do it in the same relationship, uh, knowing that we are in Christ because uh, he has risen and he is the Lord and he calls us to live by faith in him. And that's our hope in the new year as it was our hope in the old. In the first gospel sermon preached to Gentiles, notice I've, some of y'all are probably in your mind going to Acts 2 when I said first gospel sermon, but the first one preached to Gentiles, Acts chapter 10, we'll go there and get this summary. We can do it from the first gospel sermon in Acts 2. We'll just do it from Acts 10 because it's a little uh, different reading for us and it's also shorter. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, beginning... <clears throat> Acts 10, 34, Peter said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what's right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses of all that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses. Who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so there again is the very things that we hold dear, is the very things in, in which we depend that Christ came, that Christ died on our behalf, that he, as Peter preached to the Jews and Gentiles alike, that he is risen, that he is Lord. And now that we who believe in him receive forgiveness of sins. And so in whatever time we live, peaceful, prosperous, boring times, wouldn't it be nice to have those again? Or trying times, or divided times, or healthy times, or times of disease and unhealth, and times even of global pandemic. Times in which the, the world is at war with the most basic ideas about which God has made this world, and people can't even figure out today if they're male or female. Some have tried a middle way, or some have tried for both, sometimes at the same time. But in this kind of world, we have a place, and we can have peace within ourselves, even as the world denies the most basic truths, and then expects us to receive the new tolerance and be conformed to that as if it were revealed truth itself. In a world that seeks its pleasures but can't find any that last, we have contentment and we have purpose, we have order, 
We have a grounding, we have direction, and we have security. We have a hope in this world because as this sermon taught us, Christ is risen. This is our lodestone. This is our North Star. This is the center of our universe. Going back to that very first sermon, now the one in Acts 2, which we thought of first, the one that is first preached after the resurrection, it says this in Acts 2 and 32. And so because he was a prophet, speaking of David, speaking of things to come, and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked forward and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up, to which were all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth that which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The resurrection is the proof of all that Jesus taught in the Gospels. The resurrection is the vindication of all the things the prophet said would come. And people wonder, how could that possibly be? How could David's descendant be his Lord? How could the throne of David continue forever? The throne of David, by physical lineage, went 700 years after the time of David. It must seem like it's forever. But 700 years is not forever. Right? We, we study ancient history, things lot, much longer back than 700 years ago, and it seems that everything changes. But one thing has not changed now, just short of two millennia since Peter spoke it, that Christ has been made both Lord and Lord and Christ, verse 36. He is both Lord and Christ. That was 2,000 years ago. We don't even have pretenders for that throne, much less any rivals. We don't have anybody who could possibly think to overthrow that throne. We don't have anybody who could raise up in any way against that throne. But what is true then is true now. That is, it's again said back in that first sermon to Gentiles in Acts 10, they put him to death, hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear. They put him to death, but God raised him. And so he is risen, and being risen, he is Lord. And so he is, as Peter said, sanctified in our hearts as Lord. He is our director. He is our instructor. And a kind one he is, and a friendly one he is, and a loving one he is, but still, he is Lord. Again, that second sermon, Acts 10, we'll start reading in verse 41. He appeared not to everybody but to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. In verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the appointed one or the Christ, the Messiah, by God to judge the living and the dead. To hear all the prophets, or to him all the prophets bear witness, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so being made Lord and Christ, he has been commanded uh, to be taught to all men 
everywhere. That's Peter's summary there of what we know as the Great Commission. Go and teach everybody. Make disciples and teach them what I say. Because he is the Lord of all. He is to be taught in all and taught to all. Not all will believe, but all are to be taught. All are to be shown. All are to have this opportunity to know Christ by those that know him and love him and appreciate him. We then take that message. The apostles directly appointed, given that as their only life's task, given the inspiration and the tools to do that. Us uh, who are left behind by them, uh, by faith we spread and by faith we share with the words that were given, which the words they left behind, the words of inspiration. We now teach the same thing. And so what will the new year be for us? Well, the same as the year before. What would a new millennia be? Those of us who are alive now and at least a couple of decades old, we were privileged to see the changing of millennia. We went from the 19s to the 20s. What an advancement that was. At least it was in time. It increments. It only goes one way. But it increments in, in time. It increments in number. We're not sure about socially and ethically and morally. But what we do note is that as the millennia changed, uh, these facts did not, as they didn't after the first millennium. And I don't think we'll be around to see it, but if the Lord tarries, it'll be the same in the third. If there's a third millennia of Christianity, these things will still be the truth. And people in the same relationship with the Lord will still hold to them and still preach them in faith. And each Lord's day, they will mark his death until he returns. And so we find things uh, like this, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 5 and 6. Even if there are other so-called gods, whether in heaven or earth, indeed there are many gods and many lords. But for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through and so there's many who will claim authority. There, there are many who will uh, say, we need to be uh, the one to whom you give the ultimate allegiance. We need to be the one to whom uh, you bow the knee. We need to be the one whom you follow. It's amazing how many people want to be the one that gets to be uh, followed. Not many people say, I want to be a follower. <laughs> That's where most of us are. But there's a few who raise themselves up and get together and say, we want to be followed. But for us, there is but one God from whom are all things. We exist for him. And there's only one Christ by whom are all things. And we exist through him. And so that's how we go. Existing for him and existing through him. And those in Christ and those in the right relationship with him. Those who in 1 Peter 3.15 have sanctified Christ as Lord of our hearts. We are the ones who recognize that this is the ultimate order of all creation and we want to be on the side of God the one who made us and the one who sent his son to die for us and so now we see as we saw in that sermon that we now we want to live by faith in Christ this is the call for us to live faithfully in him remembering these very basic facts again that he is risen he is proven lord and it is now our time to live believing in him. Again, out of that first sermon to the Gentiles, Acts 2, 42. He commanded us to preach to the people 
to testify he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And to him, all the prophets bear witness. What do the prophets say? Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. If sin is the problem, this is the one and only solution. Back in chapter 4 of the book of Acts, there's no other name given among heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. So everyone who believes, that's what all the prophets said. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. And so it's in this relationship, this relationship of faith in Christ Jesus, in which all things are found and everything else flows. This is the reason for repentance. This is the reason for confession. This is the reason for baptism. This is the reason for holy living. This is the reason for service. This is the reason for love. This is the reason for loving your neighbor as yourself because he taught us to and he showed us to. This is the reason of all things because of belief in him. And so for us, that now means a life of holiness, a sanctified life. A life that is in accord with this relationship that we're now in. A life that is in accord with the belief <laughs> that we now say is the most important thing in our life. It is the center of our life. And so it should change our life. When a man pledges his undying love to his new bride and say, Honey, I love you and will you marry me and covenant with me and, and be joined with me? And she agrees and says, Yes, she will. That should affect how they live, shouldn't it? Your marriage affects how you live. Well, your belief and your sealing and your covenant with God and, and being made one with him in baptism, that should affect how you live. And so we now live in holiness. First Thessalonians 2 and 12. The Apostle Paul telling those Thessalonian brethren, he says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you by his own kingdom and glory. Uh, we I uh, looked at that verse on Wednesday night. Hope you were here. But we looked at how Paul, through the first 11 verses of 1 Thessalonians 2, how he went through all the efforts he went to go preach to these people. And how it was like a, a, a tender, uh, a mother tenderly caring for her nursing children, or like a father imploring uh, his children. Uh, he'd get through all of this so that they would know the Lord, and in him they would walk in a manner worthy of God. Walk in a manner worthy of God. Uh, we think about what God has done for us. Well, he made us in his image. Uh, when our uh, earliest of forefathers, uh, Adam, and, and with him his wife Eve, when they disobeyed God, and they did the very thing God said not to do, God only gave them one thing to do, dress and keep the garden, and one thing not to do, don't eat of that tree. Can you trust me enough to do that and listen to what I say? And I don't know how long they did before they messed it up, but it wasn't apparently too long and then they hid in the bushes and hid from God and God did come and pursue them and talk to them and God did offer them a way forward it wasn't a real pleasant way but such as the wages of sin and then as man departed further uh, God preserved a holy lineage which ended in Noah and God preserved the holy ones as he wiped out the unholy ones and then we have a world full of only holy people until the vintage comes and they make some alcohol probably their hearts were departing before that but pretty soon now we've got a world full of sin again and in that world God called Abraham and then from the descendants of Abraham God called Moses and from them he called uh, uh, David and on it goes 
until what we find is that God interposes in this world so that his people would be like from the garden, properly clothed and properly prepared, able to come and approach him without shame. And this is all done and wrapped up and brought into being through Christ. And now in Christ, having been clothed righteously and rightly, uh, having been uh, reconciled again back to God from whom we left in alienation. We spurned him, yet he sought us. Now what do we do? We live in a manner worthy of him who's redeemed us back to himself and adopted into his own family what was his to begin with. But like the prodigal, we'd stray. And so how do we live? That question is actually asked in the King James. It says, how then now shall we live? In my translation, it says, what sh- how then Ought we to, uh, uh, what kind of people ought we to be? It's First uh, Peter 3, 11. Since all these things of this world will be destroyed, since all these things will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? What sort of people ought you to be? In holy conduct and godliness, uh, in Christ, and in the redemption found in Him is the obligation to live a sanctified life and fit for the Master's use who bought us, and sought us, gave his only son to redeem us. And so what kind of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hasting the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed with burning and the elements melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, see, we've always depended on his promise. From the beginning in the garden, there was a promise, right? That from the seed of woman, one would come and defeat the serpent. Uh, From the seed of David, one would come and sit on the throne. From the people uh, that Moses led, one would arise among them like their brethren to lead them. There's always been the promises of God. As that sermon, Acts 10 again, referred back to all the prophets bearing witness that the one who believes in him should receive forgiveness of sin through his name. We've always depended on the promises of God. And so, according to his promise, as we're now looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, there's a new heaven and earth coming, which there is no pandemic, which there is no more of the first things. Uh, these have passed away, Revelation 7. There's no more tear. There's no more crying. There's no more heat. There's no more pain. Uh, there's no more toilsome labor, but only a time with him. So according to his promise, we look for a new heaven and earth in which righteousness dwell. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, there's our new year resolution. Since we look for these things, Be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of the Lord to be salvation. Be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless and blameless. That's the outcome of the Christian life. That's the goal of the Christian life. That's where Christ leads his people as they follow him over time. Those who have believed in him to receive forgiveness and then remain on this earth to work out their salvation in his joy and in his provision in all the things that he gives us in peace, spotless, and blameless. Is that how we live? Is that what our life looks like? Oh, that Jay, you know, peaceful fella, spotless and blameless. When people ask about your preacher, that's how you say, right? I hope you do. I wish you could say it more. I wish you could say it with a straight face. I wish other people believed you if you said it. But that should be our goal. And that's how we should live. And someone says, well, what is that church down there? How is it like? What are those people like in God? Oh, peaceful, spotless, and blameless. 
It's good. They're good. We're good. Well, that's the goal. That's the good goal. Don't know that we always find it, but this is what we ought to seek for. And this is what we ought to pray for. And this is how we ought to uh, organize our lives. And then, as it says, regard the patience of the Lord to be salvation. Thankful to God that he's given us some more time to work on it as we look and work out these things in him. And so, living in faith, living in Christ, believing and in holiness and serving God. Uh, Another sermon in Acts, this one in Acts 13, uh, one of the sermons of the Apostle Paul. I believe it's the first sermon recorded by the Apostle Paul. There'll be more. But in Acts 13, Paul preaching in the synagogue said this about David, speaking of the prophets and of the times. He said this, For David, after he'd served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. And he was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Hopefully you can join us on Thursdays as we continue now and resume as the New Year's begun our our studies from Galatians. We're in the third chapter. Now we're on this very point that it is through Christ that we have salvation. It is through Christ we have, and notice how many of these passages say forgiveness of sins. We have that, that which could not be offered through the law of Moses. And so there was David, and David lived under the law of Moses. He, he lived uh, generally, not we know David's biography, but generally he lived pretty well under the law of Moses. But notice this complimentary thing, that it might be said about all of us, uh, that would be our prayer, that he served, verse 36, he served the purpose of God in his own generation. He fell asleep. And was laid with his fathers. Isn't that what we hope for? Isn't that our this life hope? To serve God in our time. And then to be buried with the others likewise. Of our family who have done the same. And so God asked him to do certain things. And he by and large did them. Again we we know his biography. We know the things of which he definitely needed to be forgiven. But he fulfilled God's purpose. He was the king that God needed him to be the man after, the scriptures say, God's own heart. And he was the man uh, who David uh, could be the one who was the head of that new dynasty. That dynasty that did reign for centuries and eventually Christ would come through. But he lived out his faith in this world in his own time. And now as we begin a new year, that's our place. To serve God in our own time. And in our own place, with the others that God has placed in our time. How many of we times have we thought as we read history and biography of ones of the past and noble ones and faithful ones and thought, man, I would like to have been with him. Right? I, I wish I could have been in that crew. I wanted to be, I'd like to be in that group. Well, that's not the time and place where God puts you. And so whenever we think, I wish I could be with somebody else. I wish I could be in some place else. I wish I could be anywhere else. You're where God puts you. Serve God in your time and your place. But I don't always like right now, and I don't always like right here. 
And I may not like always like who's with me right now and right here. Well, they may not like you either. But that's okay. We often don't like ourselves. No, I don't always. Usually when I'm conscious of my sin. But what can happen is resentments build up within each other and amongst each, uh, 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 within our own hearts. And bad uh, things, uh, when we've been disappointed, uh, can take an ugly turn. And so Paul would tell the Galatians, Galatians 5.14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In this statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. Don't bite and devour lest you be consumed. We might think about David's family for a minute. There were some things that David didn't take care of among his children and what happened amongst his children. He had son killing son. I can't imagine. I, I, I got three boys. I, I can't imagine what would happen if they killed each other. Actually, thankfully, I can't even imagine them doing that to each other. Now the girls. Uh, no. Just imagine that. Imagine that. And imagine the test of that would be to your faith. But that, that kind of thing, fratricide. David served God through that, though that was in his own family. And so David stayed faithful to God in spite of difficulties. And when he wavered, he repented. And he made correction. But if we don't, what can be the result for us or, or the next generation? What can be the result in a family in a congregation, in a community. And so, no, serve God in your own generation and seek that forgiveness of sins, which is in Christ alone. And let this be the object of our faith, our belief that Christ is there and he has taught us there to love one another so that we can serve and not to turn on one another, but to go forth in peace. One final reading, Colossians 3, as you see on the board. Colossians 3, what does this uh, pursuit of holiness, what does this, how now ought we to live, how does this look like, worked out in a congregation in our own time? Well, it looked like the Colossians would work it out. It looked like what Paul taught them. Colossians 3, verse 12. Colossians 3, verse 12. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, God has chosen from the foundation of the world to save those in Christ. And he's chose to have them be a certain way in the life and in the works that he has marked out for them to walk in. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Imagine if David's sons had applied that rule amongst themselves. A lot less dead princes in the land, right? Well, imagine if we applied that rule amongst ourselves, in our family, in our community, in our congregation. We'd probably have a lot less scattered and fallen away along our path. So, again, forgiving one another, Whoever has a complaint, as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So the way of compassion, forgiveness, of unity, of the word filling our heart, of thankful singing, and in everything doing it the Lord's way, thankfully, thoughtfully, joyfully, that's the way in Christ. And that's the way for the new year. And that'll make a good year. No matter what happens next week with the Electoral College. Or no matter what happens next week with the vaccine. No matter what happens next quarter with the profits and loss. Whatever happens over the summer and the fall with the harvest and the crops. Whatever and whenever, it'll be okay. If we hold in our hearts that Christ is risen that Christ is Lord and he calls us to live by faith in him now. And so what do we sing? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. With that, we close. Asking if today anyone needs to come. Make their confession and identification with Christ. Putting him on in baptism. Or if any need to come, repenting of sins to return. If they need to come back to our risen Lord. We offer the invitation as we stand. And sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.